0: From X-City Magazine, this is Behind the Byline, the podcast that does a deep dive into what it takes to make a story work, speaking to journalists about some of the most interesting articles to find out just how they got the scoop. Today's guest is Billy Kemba, an investigation reporter at the Times whose recent article about medicine price disparity in NHS has led to actual laws being changed in the country. But just how did Billy get the byline? Well, that's what we're here to find out.
1: I'm Billy Cumber, I'm an investigations reporter at the Times, and uh, this piece was about the um, it was about the disparities in pricing, really, of uh, a
0: category of medicine and the prices paid by the NHS. Okay, so how did you sort of get the first the initial idea to sort of discover this and investigate this issue?
1: So I've uh, I've done stories about uh, the pharmaceutical industry and drug pricing um, on and off for about the last two years, and uh, eighteen months, and so it kind of sprung out of that i did a, a number of stories about uh a different problem with drug pricing a loophole that was being exploited by a number of companies and uh following those stories lots of people got in touch with tips about other things that were going on that they thought um weren't right okay so other people sort of helped direct you into the right sort of direction so some, essentially some pharmacists and doctors got in touch and said you should take a look at specials um there are things going on with pricing there as well. And specials are uh, unlicensed medicines, so they're um, liquid form of a medicine if you can't take a tablet, or they're a medicine that needs to be made up because there isn't a licensed version. Um, and as a result, there is no restriction on the pricing. It's, it's totally unregulated. Okay,
0: so you didn't have any knowledge, especially beforehand. You basically had to learn everything on the fly almost for this.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't have any knowledge at all about um, the drug industry
0: uh, yeah. two years ago and then
1: having um, done quite a few stories and investigations in that area now I've kind mm-hmm. of built up a, a much more um, detailed understanding of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah,
0: in, in the course of, of doing the reporting, this yeah, so There's some pretty somewhat astonishing figures in this that the NHS was forced to pay, I think. Fifteen hundred grand for a two-pound bottle of moisturiser. How did you? Fifteen hundred sort of, pounds. Yeah, yeah. How did you find these sort of figures? Um, it's from, from an F, from Fli basically.
1: Okay. Uh, so there's a body um called the NHS Business Services Authority that keeps information on prescription prices, because the way these drugs work, they're um, prescribed by a doctor. The patient takes it to a pharmacist. They order the product from a specials manufacturer. Then they endorse the invoice and send it on to this body, the NHS BSA, for reimbursement. So the NHS BSA
0: has a record of all the okay. all the prices that were paid and the different products they were paid for. Okay, so was it just one single FOI? How do you tend to your FOIs then? You just send out as many as possible? Would it be a bit more? Specific no, I mean there? I think
1: generally FOIs it's much it, it's much much better to um to know what you're looking for and then yeah. to be quite targeted. I think otherwise, just for time pressures and constraints, you get bogged down in a huge amount of Information you don't really know what you're looking for or what you're hoping to find, um, and it, it doesn't really work as a kind of tool when it's when it's that loose for um, for detailed stories. So that, I mean, there was a, there was initially a specific product that a particular um, pharmacist had drawn my attention to, and said that they'd paid um, a few years ago, I think it was uh, a couple of thousand pounds for um, one or two tubs of a particular cream, and they said. This, this price is crazy and they used to make it up years and years ago themselves in the back of the of the pharmacy and they thought the products and the raw ingredients involved were, were worth a couple of quid at best. Um, and so initially I was looking at that um, particular product and it, it broadened out. I, I have a, a colleague here at the Times called uh, Paul Morgan Bentley who's just mm-hmm. uh, recently arrived and actually it, it turned out he'd been um, a kind of curious coincidence looking into... Essentially, exactly the same okay. um, issue, and, and and working on exactly like the same story. He'd done his own FY request to the same body along, the, okay. along
0: pretty much identical <laughs> lines. So, uh, uh, so that, that we ended up doing the story together. Um, so, when you got the information back, was so just one massive ream of data. Big Excel spreadsheet.
1: Yeah, Oof. yeah. Uh, I mean, it, to be honest, this is a story where it was much. It was pretty straightforward mm-hmm. and um, much more. Much simpler to, you know, we knew what we were were looking for, and the way in which the information had been collected took a while to get hold of. But it wasn't massively difficult to kind of sort through and look for highest prices and lowest prices of the same product and that sort of thing. It was that that was quite a simple thing, but it it was because, um, kind of pre armed with the knowledge of what we were looking for. Um, when I made these FOI requests, they came from a very specific tip, and that came from all the other this other work on other stories, so it kind of this was a,
0: a slightly more straightforward one as uh, as a reward for the kind of <laughs> the work put in earlier as were. <laughs> So you mentioned was speaking to all the pharmacists, and you mentioned they can mix it themselves. They're not allowed to do that anymore, is that? So there, are now. Uh, it, it basically doesn't really happen anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, they are
1: still technically allowed, but there are a lot of a lot more regulations than they used to be, and mm-hmm. so it's very difficult to. It's it's not worth their while, essentially, to have the facilities and the equipment to do it. It takes can take a lot of time, um, and there's a degree of legal risk. There was a, a case about I think fifteen or twenty years ago where pharmacists mixed it. Uh, it was an ointment or something along those lines and uh, they got it wrong and a child died as a result and I think that was a bit of a wake-up call in terms of this is actually uh, not something we necessarily want to be doing um, so Stand out now it's farmed it? out
0: to specials manufacturers yeah so is Boots in particular you sort of noticed in this was overcharging a lot for some of these products yeah
1: so Boots uh, was one of the particular examples we, we pulled out uh, and Boots as you say were charging uh, was charging a lot they were, according to the um The records from this NHS body, they were charging I think £1,573 or or thereabouts for um, one tub of a particular medical moisturiser and uh, they bought that from a specials company that at the time was owned by the same parent company, it was also owned by um, Walgreens uh, Boots Alliance Um, and then there were other examples of that same product. Um, being dispensed at other pharmacies for, for seventy three, I think, was the lowest price, but certainly massively lower. I mean, Boots um, Boots have disputed those figures, but those uh, you know, they come from this uh, this FOI, from, uh,
0: from the NHS's data. So you mentioned Boots disputed the figures. Have you then, have they had a reaction to this piece? Have they come out and sort of reached out to you? Or? No, we've not heard anything from them uh, since publishing, no. That's quite surprising, to be honest. I mean, it seems to cause a bit of an outrage. Uh, yeah, I would. I wouldn't necessarily want to speculate on why, um, but
1: uh, yeah, you know, sometimes people make different decisions. I suppose it's a it's a public relations question for them. I suppose it may be that they didn't want to draw further attention to the issue. It
0: may be that they. Uh, you know, so. <laughs> so <laughs> when when article like this does get posted, it tends to get quite a lot of reaction. I think this one in particular has got. 651 comments so far do you ever do you ever tend to read the comments or does that something you sort of stay away from yeah no I do read the comments um, particularly on and particularly with
1: these with earlier drug stories they can they have been very useful in terms of uh, serving as tip essentially towards um, towards other issues we've got quite pretty knowledgeable readers and um, lots of readers who have Detailed knowledge in this area they former doctors or current doctors or pharmacists, or that work in the pharmaceutical industry—and so yeah, they can be um, they can be very helpful. We've got a team as well who, um, in moderating them, will draw attention if they spot one that they think looks particularly uh,
0: worthwhile as a follow-up. Okay, so you're almost using the comments to help further the story in a way. Yeah, yeah, I think so. That's yeah. quite an interesting way to look at it. Actually, I mean, there was one comment I read which said. Called it fake news, and they claim to be working in the community pharmacy for quite a while, and it's sort of, it's sort of delving in between their sort of the real comments and they just the
1: yeah. The, I mean, the, I think uh, if you have an article and no one is saying it's like news day or you know, <laughs> why is this in the paper or this or and something along those lines, uh, then it's a straight it's an unusual day. I mean, there's yeah. A big, a group of people that just seem to do that on every single story regardless regardless (laughs) it's almost a a step of
0: achievement isn't it it's a sign of a good job
1: (laughs) well it's yeah it's certainly uh, it's certainly not a surprise (laughs) but I think I mean the Times has made a few policy decisions on comments Mm. and um, I mean the fact that you have to be registered to to comment uh, and means I think the quality is actually pretty high compared to a lot of new new sites where you you can sign in under any name and it's just for abuse. this cuts the wheat from the chap in a sense. Yeah, they've done. I think it's. I think that it's.
0: Um, it's pretty. I mean, you get some interesting debates there as well. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. that's what you want, really. I mean, there's reports so that they're actually changing the law. surrounding this in April, is it? I so, uh, so that change in the law actually was prompted by the some of these earlier stories I wrote, which okay. were about
1: a particular loophole where um, a group of drug companies had realised they could buy the rights to uh, a medicine, a medicine that was kind of invented usually many decades earlier and was long out of patent. Um, and the big pharmaceutical company that invented it was no longer that interested in it, so it would sell the rights to these companies. And they'd come up with this trick where if you drop the brand name and sell it under its generic name, there is no longer any uh, profit cap and you're guaranteed at least a couple of years of exclusivity because of the amount of time it takes someone else to get a, a licence to compete with you. So they were just putting the prices up from Um, some of the examples from 70p a packet to 88 pounds a packet or um, 20p a pill to 9 pounds a pill it was kind of huge um, huge increases and that that was costing the NHS or still is costing the NHS um, through the 400 million pounds a year just for the extra the extra cost so so this new law that was passed in response to that was passed last April and has kind of two aspects one of which is to allow the government to impose lower prices uh, and that's already able to be used although they haven't used it yet and the other half is new information powers where they'll be able to demand from uh, manufacturers and wholesalers detailed information on each product on the kind of profitability on marketing costs on manufacturing costs Um, and that comes into effect in April and the idea of that is that they'll then be able to say well these price increases aren't justified or uh, with specials this price for the special is not justified it's pure profit Um, and
0: they'll be able to therefore then do something about it. I mean, it's pretty impressive the fact that investigations you've done are making a difference to actual laws, and that's got to feel quite good. Yeah, no, you don't.
1: It's, it's um, it is it is nice. It's not. It's you know, you write these stories because you want to uh, you want to make a difference, and that's a kind of very clear way of making
0: a difference. It's not normally that neat. Yeah, I was going to say it's quite an active sort of <laughs> yeah. response. So, what's sort of next on horizon? Then have you got any other pieces coming up or investigations? Uh, I do, yeah, there's a few things I'm working on. Uh, it's always slightly difficult to talk about them, not least no, no, because no, they can fall apart
1: them. and then yeah. you, uh, <laughs> nothing happens. And it looks a bit silly. Uh, probably some more drug pricing stuff as well mixed yeah. in. I'm I mean, slightly dialing down now on that because I've been 18 months at least, but um, it is a very ripe area for um, investigative journalism. Mm. Uh, and then range of
0: a range of, oh, a range of like mysterious crazy. topics that so may, may not come true okay, when does inspiration hit then when do you sort of get an idea or do you just rumble? It? it it varies a lot I think um,
1: it, there's often you often see a reaction to a first story and um, it gets picked up quite widely or draws a bit of debate I mean we're seeing it at the moment with the, the Oxfam story my colleague yeah. Sean wrote uh, last week um, and it and you, it, those are the kind of stories where you discover quite quickly that you've Hit upon a topic yeah. where there's kind of a lot there, and what your your first story is kind of only the tip of the iceberg, and then you get it becomes um, you prompts prompt people to get in touch, you get tips, you get things from comments, you get emails, you get phone calls, and it kind of things take off and go in some unexpected directions, but they kind of take off so that um, that just happens with some stories and not with others. Um, more generally, stories come about in just kind of quite different ways, and yeah. sometimes. Uh, slightly unexpected ways I think stuff often ends up being the story you end up writing can, not, can often be quite a distance from the story you set out to write um, and the first drug stories I set out to write about was something called Pay for Delay which um, was a completely different thing to what I ended up writing about but you just kind of get involved in an area and you speak to people and you find documents and you it's you got a of real story along the way and yeah. You, yeah exactly you've, you, um, you you realise you've uncovered something even if it's not quite what you um, what you went in expecting to
0: Okay, well, all sounds very exciting. I'm sure there's <laughs> much on the horizon for you. Well, hopefully, yeah. yeah. Look forward to hearing hopefully. it. Thank you. it been busy. It's been lovely. No worries. You've been listening to Behind the Byline. Make sure to tune in next week for more insights on how it takes a great journalist to make a great story. I've been Lucas Oakley. Thank you very much.